0: yet to do i won't give up on you see these can bring you all right welcome to welcome life. to the latest man talks episode i'm here today at the junction with a k junction with a k with the founder and ceo of, uh, 1-800-Got Junk, Mr. Brian Scudamore. Brian, welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you for coming on in, Connor.
0: Yeah. Awesome. It's, you have a beautiful office here in Vancouver. Like, I, mean, I wish people could come and see it because there's little sayings on the doors and it just feels like a great place to, to work out of. And I, as I look around, cause we're actually sitting in one of the offices, uh, in 1-800-Got Junk. And as I look around, there's a lot of smiling faces here and, and that's, that just tells me that you've built a pretty solid
1: culture. So we, we didn't plant them there just for you. They're they're real smiles. <laughs> they're not media we, they're not media plugs, is that? Exactly. So we have uh, an open office environment that's energetic and very visual and tells our story and mm. show highlights the journey, the Challenges that we've had and the the good times, and so we we love what we've got as an office and no private offices, so that we can be transparent and out in the open. Amazing, actually. One of your uh, before
0: we kind of dive into you know who you are and what you do and your and your journey because it's a big part of why we're here. I found it really interesting. One of your employees because I asked, I said, "Are we?" going into your office. And they said, no, Brian doesn't actually really have an office. He usually plunks down at a desk, finds an empty chair, and then just starts working away. And And I thought that's so cool because that really creates this neat environment where your employees don't feel like you're separate from them.
1: It's the best way to connect and get to know new people as we grow. I find that I'll be on the road for a week and I'll come back into the office and there's all these new employees. So it's, it's great to be able to go sit down beside them, learn, about who they are, what makes them tick. I don't have a a desk spot that is even permanently mine. So I will go sit wherever and work on my iPhone. I don't even have a laptop or a desktop. It's wow, just my phone and wow. type away. The the modern the modern day leader here. I love I love it. It's I love freedom. It. So
0: just going back, I mean, you have this incredible company. The culture really seems to be embedded in into it. I would love to kind of go back as far as you feel comfortable with and as, far, and as far as you think is relevant to you know where this came from like how did 1-800-GOT-JUNK really start where did it begin what was like how did that come about
1: 1989 I was in a McDonald's drive through in Vancouver I saw this beat-up old pickup truck with plywood side panels it said Mark's hauling on the side looked at the truck and I went there's my ticket there I was waiting for a burger, contemplating my future and what I wanted to do. I was one course short of graduation from high school, but had managed to talk my way into college. I had to find money to pay for college, and this business was going to fulfill that that plan. Ironically, what funded my way through college, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, inspired me to drop out. It inspired me. I was learning more about business by running a business mm. than I was studying in school. So... Four years into my university education with one year left, I made the bold decision to drop out and put it all on the line, which wasn't a lot, but put it all on the line to build a business that ultimately is a quarter of a billion dollar company today, if you include all four brands that we have. Wow wow that is that is pretty impressive and what were you taking in university or college I was studying commerce
0: business yeah. okay okay and what were some of the like discrepancies that you started to notice between studying business and actually implementing some of those things right like actually like running a business was there was it like the hr part was it dealing with the customers because I feel like a lot of the times people expect the education system to really set them up to be able to run a business but a lot of the times there's there's just like these missing
1: links that aren't in there I found I was spending more time in my classes learning about theory Mm -hmm. and learning from people, learning about marketing from someone who had never worked in marketing. Mm -hmm. They had studied it. And I wanted hands-on. I wanted tangible tactics that I could get out there and do as I would build a business. I found myself frustrated that I was in an OB class, an organizational behavior class, and the professor said, hey, Brian's running a business. Let's get him to present. And so many people in the class said they learned more from my talk that day than they were actually learning in the class. I think things are different now 20-some-odd years later, 25 years later, because there are entrepreneurial programs that exist in the universities. And and that might have convinced me to stay had it been today. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's what you just said,
0: I have a degree in music. So I went went to school and, and did a Bachelor of Music. Uh, opera major, and I, I ended up singing classical music around the world for a, a couple of years. But it was very much the same where the teachers that were working there didn't actually really have much real world experience, right? Like they hadn't really sung or performed on stage or especially the, the sort of like the theory teachers. They didn't really have much of that real world experience. So it's kind of neat to see that. So as you, as you kind of started the business, what were some of the challenges along the way? So like how, like, how did you, how did you go start it? Did you just go out and buy a truck or?
1: It was that simple. I went and bought a truck a week into my idea. I had a business. I found the phone number seven, three, eight junk. And called the company the Rubbish Boys. Painted it on the side of my trucks and started driving down alleys, laneways. When someone had a pile of junk, I'd offer to cart it away for a fee. That basic business model is still what we are today, but with new, clean, shiny trucks, with the phone number 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we are a national or international brand. However, starting the business was so slow and so organic. The first year, I think I did you know just barely enough profit to pay for school, but every year after, I was still profitable, and I got to a point where I was able to buy a house at 24 years old in this expensive city of Vancouver. Wow! The business was growing; I was on to something, and I knew that my opportunity was there if I was willing to take it. Very cool, very cool. And just to kind of like backtrack a little bit even further,
0: because I always find that usually when I have these opportunities to sit down with men such as yourself, there's something in the in in usually people's childhood that has like triggered them to want to go and do this. So like, were you always, like always an outdoor kid? Like, what were you like as a kid? I'm, I'm curious if there's like a, a link there between the
1: two. My entrepreneurial drive, I think, and inspiration comes from my grandparents. I was born in San Francisco, lived there till I was seven or eight years old. I used to go work in my grandparents' army surplus store. And the whole concept of, of playing the game of business, to me, it just felt like ringing the cash register, greeting customers, stocking inventory. It was fun. It was like a game to me. And I'd always had this entrepreneurial spirit. As a kid, I used to start maybe 8, 9, 10 years old. I'd run car washes where I'd get all the neighbors and anyone in the neighborhood who had a car to come by and I'd wash their car for a fee. I got in my first price war with a neighbor across <laughs> the street who started a competing car wash where we kept lowering our prices that was an early age of probably 11. Wow. So I just love and and still do loved running and building something. So it's a very creative outlet for me. A, a quick childhood story you might have or may not have seen in the office. There's a picture that I did illustrating at four and a half years old. I drew a picture of myself, a self-portrait where I'm hauling junk. I'm actually you've got a shovel in hand and a broom and I'm sweeping up trash, sweeping up junk. And it's funny because that was me at four and a half Yet today, somehow, here I am as a junk man. So I found that picture when my grandmother passed away and I was going through some old books of hers. She had kept this illustration that I did. So we blew it up and put it on the walls here just to sort of say that really this company started in 1974, not <laughs> 1989. Wow. That's that's pretty amazing. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
0: As you kind of went along and and started to grow, 1-800-GOT-JUNK and it sort of morphed into something more than just you driving a truck. You, you know, What did that look like? What were some of the hiccups along the way? Because I feel like you know there's there's something like 200,000 small businesses in Canada or 300,000 I can't remember what the exact number is but it, there's a lot of small businesses and i f- and i feel like a lot of the challenges that they face are how do you sort of push through that precipice right like you get to that certain point where there's you there's a couple other people maybe you can afford to pay a couple people and then that's where most small businesses stop so how did you kind of push through that to get to where you are now, where, you know, you have an office of what looks like a couple hundred employees and, you know, franchises across the world. And how, how did that
1: manifest? How did that unfold? It's a great point that small businesses, there's lots of them, hundreds of thousands of them, most of them, by far, almost the entire majority will stay small. Mm. So how do you crack the the secret sort of code to build a bigger business if that's what someone wants. I think one of the big pieces of learnings for me was 1994, five years into the business, I had 11 employees. I had four or five trucks. I fired every employee I had, brought them all into a meeting room similar to, to this. And I said, I'm sorry, guys, this is not working out. I fired all 11 on the spot. I said, as your leader, let's be clear, I'm the one that's to blame here. I've either brought on the wrong people. I haven't trained them well enough. I didn't give them the love and support they needed. Something was missing. I wasn't enjoying coming to work every day. They weren't servicing customers in the way that my vision had laid out. And I said, this is not working. So got these 11 employees out, and it was a a difficult day because the next day it was restarting. It was having to rebuild and rehire. If you've got four trucks and you're out there, fully booked schedule with customers to service and you're by yourself that's scary wow so I started from scratch but what it taught me that day is it's all about people there's a big quote at the front of the junction that says it's all about people with my name below it that's my commitment and our commitment here to let's find the right people let's treat them right let's not make that same mistake that I made back in 1994 Mm. have we failed ourselves in terms of bringing on the wrong people absolutely but we're very it's rare that it happens
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think you know, that, that concept of it's all about people. I love that. I can't get enough of that. I think that's pretty incredible. You know, I just gave a, a workshop at SFU on leadership and I'm doing another talk for their 50th anniversary. And the title of my talk, which I had presented to them was business is personal and reshaping the idea that business isn't personal, right? And I, I think that what you're really getting at there is that in order for the business to thrive and be successful, that the, the people really are at the heart and soul of that.
1: Every business, every brand I love out there, it's people. Yeah, You look at any company and the the brand they've built, they've built it based on a certain group of people if you you'd brought up the word culture if you look at culture the the word cult is the short part yeah. of it right <laughs> this is a bit of a cult we're we're unique and interesting in how we do things and how we have fun we're a little quirky we don't take ourselves too seriously but take the business seriously when you're building a brand it has to have clear personality mm. clear vision and values and that's what people buy people buy who you are not what you do mm that
0: that's that's actually a really good point. and so on on that mark, you know, when you let go of those 11 people, what did you do differently the second time around?
1: second time around was i started being very careful, taking the time, slow to hire, quick to fire. slow to hire means take my time and interview someone several times to really make sure i've got the right person. quick to fire means when i figured out i really have the wrong person and i've tried to help them be the right person and it's not fixable, I get them out and free them up for another opportunity. Yeah. To me, we've got something we call the beer test. And that's, is this someone I could see myself having a beer with? Mm -hmm. If I'm interviewing someone or anyone is in the company, could you see having an after work beer or bringing them to a company barbecue? Are they interesting people? Are they interested? Do they have a passion of their own? You talked about music and opera what are they interested in? And let's get to know each other. And to me, that's the key. Find people that are passionate about something who want to and do fit into our culture of what we're building.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And so did you kind of start off with, with that in mind, creating a vision, creating the, like the mission statement and then going through and, and sort of like methodically hiring? Like, did you, did you get somebody to come and help you with the hiring processes or was it just like a natural feeling of, yes, this person feels good to sit across from?
1: I think it was more a natural feeling of trusting my gut. Hmm. If I'm going to be slow to hire and find someone to bring into this company, we're not quick to recruit friends. When we go out and, and meet friends, however we do it through activities and through other friends, I think our commitment to being friends with someone and getting to know them and spending more time, we're, we're careful. People have lots of friends. They're, they're not in a rush to bring more on. They're busy in their lives. And so how do people find friends? You know what you want and you don't compromise. Mm. You're careful. I think we do the opposite in business. I know so many entrepreneurs, and I've done this myself, where you you need to fill a seat, and you just need someone to do that job, and it's too stressful. you doing it yourself, and, and you compromise. And how many times do we have that conversation with ourselves where we say, I think they're good enough? Mm. You can't settle for good enough. Take the time to find the right person who's really going to light it up.
0: Yeah, uh, awesome. Thank you. I think the one thing that I would want to touch on there is, you know, you talked about listening to your gut. And, you know, one of the things that I think has really guided myself and just from being observant and, and researching people that are very successful, like yourself and like the Richard Bransons and the Steve Jobs and and a lot of those other men out there, you know, they talk about intuition or gut or uh, how has that kind of guided your life? Has that been a big factor? Like when did that kind of come into play
1: for you? I've always been a gut person. I probably... 10 years ago started getting away from trusting my gut because others told me, Brian, you're not the guy to continue to build this business. What you think isn't necessarily right. I brought in some professional managers into the business and we didn't align with trusting my gut. Eric Church, who's our president and COO, who's been here four years, fantastic guy, great friend. We have fun together. We trust each other. And I think that Eric knows that Trusting your gut is important and me trusting my gut is important. So you've got to, you've got to listen. And while I try while I was getting away from it and losing some confidence, I think I reminded myself that to me, trusting your gut is all the experience, the sum total of all the experiences you've had in your life where it's like Malcolm Gladwell's book blink. Mm. You just know, you just have this feeling and I don't think it's really, really your gut and it's some airy fairy kind of concept it's just your brain rapidly processing something that says something's not right yeah something's not right about this person something's not right about this decision mm. listen to that accept that dive into it a bit more and, and make better decisions
0: incredible I love it as we as we move forward we like you know we've been talking a little bit about success and entrepreneurism and, and that kind of stuff you guys seem to have a pretty forward thinking from what I can tell you know with the o2e brand a pretty like social conscious model, which I th- which I think is very important. Can you give us some insight into how that's kind of come about and, and why that exists and, and maybe why it's important to you?
1: I think building a business, you have a responsibility. They use the term social responsibility or corporate responsibility. You have a responsibility to give back and support the community that's helped build you, that's mm-hmm. helped build your business. I just believe it's the right thing to do. I believe in bringing on the right people who care about others. Big believer that let's first take care of our own people and make sure we've got leadership development and that if someone's having a tough time in this business as a person, as a franchise partner, and they need help and support from us, financial, time off, whatever it is, let's help them. But then let's broaden that to how do we help make the world a better place, even Mm -hmm. in just a small way. So. We're not a big company who donates money. We're a company who donates our time. It's not uncommon to see a, an event where there's a, a couple of dozen people going out to the the, the Soup Brothers and, and doing this big making soup and giving it out on the street. Whatever it is, no matter how small, it's just doing those things and making it a part of our culture mm. and a part of our core. Very cool that's fantastic. So on that on that note, I'm curious, you know,
0: what is your what's your definition of success? Like what does that look like maybe from an individual standpoint as, you know, as a 20 21st century man? Uh, and then what does that look
1: like from a company standpoint? I stole this from someone and <laughs> uh, and I'm and I'm owning it as my own personal mantra and and I have for years. About 10 years ago, I met Paul Urfala who founded Kinkos. Now, FedEx Kinkos grew to be this massive company that he sold off for gazillions. And I got to know him over the years and I still don't know how many gazillions. But Paul Urfala, the question was asked when I first met him and heard him speak, someone said in an audience, how do you find success? Without hesitation, he said, that's easy. He said, if your kids when they're adults want to spend time with you, that success. Mm. And to me, I've got three kids, young children. I love spending time with them and I think they love spending time with me. As they get older, will they still love to spend time with their mom and dad? Will they still love to connect? And and so I see families who, entrepreneurs who have built big businesses that don't have relationships with their kids because they've worked too hard. I've also seen entrepreneurs who have incredible relationships with their kids because they've built a well-balanced Life and business. So, to me, success is if my kids want to hang out with me when I'm older. That's it. Nice. That's awesome. All
0: right, uh, ManTalks community. So, we just wanted to take a minute to tell you about something that's really exciting. It's it's something that you know the entire team has been working on for quite a while. And it's something that the Mantox community has actually been asking for. Uh, You know, we put on monthly events and we get, you know, 150, 175 people out every month. And the community has really been asking for a full one day event. And for us to bring in some some great speakers and to to host a big event. So that's what we've done. Um, we've, We've pulled together some pretty incredible speakers. And we have an event coming up on November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Center. So just to give you a quick idea uh, of who's coming to speak, we have uh, Brian Scrone, who is the founder of Of uh, board meetings, and he's going to be flying up from California to come and talk. He's spoken at Harvard and the Pentagon, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Some top secret stuff probably happened there. Uh, We've got Philip McKernan, which, if you know of Philip McKernan, he's a very powerful speaker. Uh, He's spoken on stage with the likes of, you know, Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama and some other crazy, crazy people around the world. Um, We've got Daryl Cocky, the CEO of Kitten Ace. Uh, Daryl was fortunate enough to be the sixth employee at Lululemon and work his way up and is now founded uh, Chip Wilson's new company, which is absolutely incredible. Um, We also have Sachin Raha, who is the founder of Warrior Sage. We have uh, Jay Demerit, who's the ex-captain of the Whitecaps. And we have Brian Scudamore, who is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So we have some absolutely, absolutely amazing speakers and we've worked really, really hard to, to bring you our, just a kick-ass quality event. So we really hope that you'll check it out again. It's called the Man Talks Intensive and that is going to be November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Centre. So for more details, just check out the uh, Man Talks website. And, uh, but, Connor, that,
1: but Connor, yeah, you don't even need to go to the site right now and get tickets because we have a chance for you to win tickets to the event itself. Oh, you're yeah, right.
0: Yeah, All right, you need right. to do
1: is... Post something that you think represents a modern man on social media, tag three friends that you think are kicking ass, and hashtag it man at Ford for a chance to win two tickets to the Man Talks intensive event on November, on November 7th in Vancouver. Like Connor said, full details can be found at mantalks.com. All you need to do is post a picture, a quote, a video, just something that you think represents a modern man. Don't forget to tag three of your friends that you think are kicking ass, really, really showing what it means to be a modern man, and hashtag it "Man Forward" for your chance to win two tickets to the Man Talk Intensive event.
0: Very cool, awesome! I love it. Man It Forward, my friends. Man It
1: Forward. <laughs> man It Forward. Let's get back to somebody who's definitely manning forward.
0: On that sort of vein, there of entrepreneurs b- building businesses and being out of balance. I think it's a trap that a lot of you know it's a trap that a lot of guys especially fall into because they attach I think what it seems like purpose to building something, right? And so then their purpose in life becomes this external business and they can get very lost in it. Much like they can get very lost, you know, we can get lost in relationships and there's there's lots of things we can get lost in. But it seems like some people get tied up in this idea of giving everything to the business. And then instead of having a table with four legs, they have a table with one leg, right, which is the business and the family leg and the health leg and the, the other legs are not really there or they're stumpy and short. So how have you how have you done that? Like, how, if you, was it just a conscious choice of like, if I'm going to have kids, I need to spend time with them or I want to spend time with them. I want it to be a
1: priority. I'm intentional in everything I do, and I think that comes from growth over Mm -hmm. time, making some mistakes and learning when my life was out of balance what that felt like, if I wasn't eating well, if I wasn't exercising enough, whatever that was. And so very intentional, and I I believe in the whole everything in moderation, including moderation. You've (laughs) got to have a life that I believe building a business is to support my personal life, my family, my friends, and to help make the world a better place. If I'm not taking care of myself and I'm working ridiculous hours, that's not good for any of that any of that group. Every year, every summer, and I've done this at least for the last five, six, seven years, is I'll take a period of at least a month. This year, it was six weeks, where I call it going dark. And it's harder in this world to disconnect and have a balanced life because of technology. People are addicted to their iPhones and their apps and their technology and your iWatch you're wearing right now, <laughs> Apple Watch. It, it, it makes it difficult to disconnect. So I have the discipline of every year saying, here's my go dark period. This year, six weeks, went to France, rented a home with some family, friends, hung out for a month and disconnected from all technology. I did not have – I had my iPhone to take pictures, but I was disconnected from email, from text, from everything. If someone wanted to reach me from the business, they couldn't. They didn't know exactly where I was. I get my assistant to change my passcode so that I can't, if I even want to, get into (laughs) my email, social media, or anything. What it does, it's incredibly recharging it sets a leadership example to the team that we do care about your personal time. And we do want you to disconnect and unplug and recharge. Mm. So there's people in the business trying to follow and it's difficult because people can't control themselves. We're addicted to technology and it makes the world go faster. But sometimes I think you got to slow down and smell the sunflowers and drink some red wine and eat lots of cheese and go for (laughs) bike rides and, And I learn more about my business and come up with new ideas when I'm doing that sort of thing. So it's getting out of the day-to-day rhythm and relaxing a little bit. Yeah. Now I've got a team in place. I couldn't do that when I was a party of one. Yeah. But I can do it now and I've worked hard to strategically set it up that way and it's amazing how many entrepreneurs I see who refuse to make that choice of having some balance because they think they can't. Mm. And I, I mean I think one of the keys there is that it it
0: occurs to me, like it probably really embeds trust in your team and the people that work with you for them to say, Hey, Brian trusts us enough that he's going to be off the grid for six weeks without any connection to the business. And he trusts that we have this. And I, I think that that there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said. And you know, you talked about leadership, you know, leadership by definition is a social influence, right? It's actually just influence. And I think how you influence people, um, whether positive or negative, is 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 your your type of leadership, because we are always influencing people around us, no matter what. So I think to influence them in a way that says, I trust you, and this is the precedence and the example that I want to set for you as, as a team, as a community, as a tribe, I think that that's an incredible thing that hopefully some of the listeners, listeners out there that run their own businesses, hopefully they take that away. And even if it's just a week or two, you know, even if you start small to be unplugged for a couple of weeks and trust your team enough. I think that there's something really substantial to be said in that.
1: I agree. And you've highlighted three important words that I think are very important in leaders in leadership is I trust you. Mm. How often do we not send that message to our teams and how does it undermine and break apart the culture? Yeah. You need to trust your teams. And if you don't, you got to find people that you can trust. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and just kind of backtracking a little bit to the family aspect of it. You know, if, if you, let's say you had a room of 50 entrepreneurs, 50 guys and, and women that are sitting in front of you, they all run their own business and they all have families. What would be the sage piece of advice that you would give them in, in finding that balance?
1: Family first. if, I think most moms and dads that I know are really good at loving their kids and it's it's not hard to convince someone or or highlight the fact that to parents family family is first but they don't always live that. Now mm-hmm. how do you so what's the sage advice from from someone like me who doesn't know very much who continues to make mistakes is put your family first. Schedule things based on your family first. Mm. We scheduled I have scheduled my family vacation for next August. We're going to Kenya. We've adopted a village there that as a community of a few different entrepreneurs, we go there and help build schools through Free the Children, and we're Mm. continuing to give time and energy towards helping a community. Our kids, our family are all going to go there for the second time and visit our village and help out, but that's booked. So put your family first by block scheduling things into your calendar. Yeah, What is your date night with your wife, with your kids. Get it in there. And I find that then you can plug in the business afterwards. Yeah. Amazing.
0: I like it. I mean, it's pretty incredible that you guys have a, a village in Kenya that you sponsor. I think that's that's pretty fantastic. I didn't know that. Moving forward and kind of moving along into into a different subject, I think mentorship, you know, we talked about leadership, but I think mentorship is sort of the, the other key part that usually leads people down the path to success. Have you had a, a specific mentor along the way, whether, whether alive or or dead? Like, did, did you have somebody that you really
1: idolize, that you learned from? I've got so many, uh, alive and dead, unfortunately. Uh, a couple of the mentors that stand out the most in my mind, uh, both since recently passed on, but Greg Brophy, who built a company called ShredIt billion dollar company. And he always told me never, ever, ever, ever compromise on the people you bring into your company. That's his one lesson. That's the one thing that he said, you know what, just don't get that wrong. And and he was right. Because at the time when I first met him, I was compromising. The other mentor who recently passed away is the founder and creator of Subway, uh, a multi-billion dollar business. Last I heard, you know, 14 billion making sandwiches. He's a man who, as a wonderful mentor, I met him at a franchise conference and bumped into him and we started chatting. And I said, Can I call you sometime? He said, Absolutely. Here's my cell phone. He never said no to me when I reached out for his time, his wisdom, and here's a guy that I couldn't imagine was any busier. But I think entrepreneurs get to where they are with help from others, from mentorship and they're great at giving back. Mm -hmm. I try not to say no to someone. If they're clear on their question and they know what they're looking for and I feel I can help, I will never say no. So to me, a mentor is someone who you can turn to that you're not afraid to connect with and say, I need help. And they don't need to be a big brand like a Fred DeLuca from Subway. It can just be anyone who's figured out something. And so I created a, an idea because I couldn't get a real MBA because I didn't finish school. I created my own and it's MBA stands for mentor board of advisors. My education, my learning was going to come from other way smarter people than me. Hmm. So I have hundreds of them. There's not a mentor that's given me a whole ton of advice. It's more that there's been hundreds that have given me lots of little nuggets or help and support that has been very, very impactful.
0: Amazing. Is there one piece of advice that kind of stands out to you within the context of business
1: and and entrepreneurialism? I think that's a tough one or an impossible one to answer. I'm a big believer that when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Mm. So anyone that might be listening to your podcast is got something they're trying to solve. So if I gave one piece of advice, it might not resonate. To me, the most important thing in business as a starting point is building a vision. Mm. What is your clear painted picture of where you're going? I was on my parents' cottage, 1997, was in a bit of a downward spiral of how I felt about myself and my business. Mm. I don't have the money to grow it. It's junk removal. It's not sexy. I was in the entrepreneur organization surrounded by people that were building things bigger than me. And I thought, okay, here, hold on. If I could think of pure possibility where we could grow to, what could that look like? And I took out a sheet of paper, double-sided. I wrote out, the future vision for one eight hundred got junk top thirty metros in North America. We'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. We'd build the FedEx a junk removal. Those things all happened in the the five year time frame because I had a vision, or what I call a painted picture, that resonated with me.
0: Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. Okay, so I guess I guess the uh, the the takeaway there would kind of be be open, you know, be open and receptive to the to the mentors that might pop up. And and at the same time, make sure you have a very, very clear vision of what you want to accomplish so that you can take those lessons in.
1: Yeah, be open to creating that vivid picture of what your future will look like, mm. personal or business. Write it down and then share it with people. And you know, if anyone wants to tweet me at Brian Scudamore, I'm happy to share the painted picture as a format of what ours looks like. But it's something that has been incredibly powerful for us. And if I had to do one thing all over again, it's always starting with a vision. Amazing, very cool.
0: Just out of curiosity, you, you know, we've kind of touched on your family and, and and whatnot. How did you meet your wife? Just out of curiosity.
1: <laughs> there's You're a nodding. there's a pause there. You're nodding uh, your head like, oh yeah, here we go. No, no, I, I think it's a great story, but some people think it's strange. So <laughs> I met my first wife uh, when I was 16. We were uh, high school sweethearts, hearts, if you if you will. We were married for 19 years, had a baby together, and after almost 20 years decided it just wasn't the right fit. And uh, ironically, we stayed best of friends and we're still very, very close today and we co-parent our daughter. But what's been awesome is she got remarried, she had another child, this child went to the same preschool as my future or or current wife. And they met and my ex-wife introduced me to my current wife amazing so i don't know how often that happens but uh, <laughs> Probably not very often but she said i know a great guy you're single you should meet this guy and here we are today
0: i think that that's incredible you know like so often you know when if marriages did you know if the people decide that they're not gonna be in the marriage and in, in that relationship any longer it can be this war zone you know and so i love hearing stories like that i i Maybe some people might think it's strange, but I think that that's incredible. The fact that your ex-wife and you have that kind of relationship, I mean, your kids must really benefit from that. Which yeah, which I think is incredible because so often parents put themselves, you know, above everything and it's like, oh, my drama and my bullshit and all this other kind of stuff is takes precedence. And then really who suffers is the kids. And so I think it's incredible that you know that you and your wife have built that relationship and took the time to to cultivate it so that could happen
1: yeah it's worked out really well and I'm proud of my life as much as some people might think it's strange it works for us and drama I think is is something we create uh, yeah and it doesn't it doesn't have to happen
0: no uh,
1: so how old are your kids uh, my kids are all like 10 or under
0: okay under 10. Wonderful. So that must keep you pretty busy.
1: (laughs) It keeps me busy. But again, I schedule family first. I schedule my business second. And I've got a busy life, but I love what I do. Mm. I get the family time with them at least that month to six weeks off. Christmas I take off and, you know, an extended period at Christmas. So I've used the business as a way to fulfill my personal life. And what I'm meant to do and why I'm here on this planet first. Mm. And then the business is second. It's a close second. And I love what I do every single day. And I feel lucky to have the team that we have here. And it's just, it I forget it's business sometimes. It feels like just a hobby. It feels, it's a passion that I get to enjoy every day.
0: Cool. That's amazing. Um, one of the things that we, that we love to talk about on the podcast is the idea of legacy, Um, so one of the questions that we normally like to ask people because we've had some, um, you know, pretty inspiring guests and, and that definitely carries forward with you right now. Um, what, what is your idea of legacy? Like what would the legacy
1: that you would like to leave for yourself and for your business be? To me, legacy is I, I see this business, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, O2E Brands, all of our brands as something that will exist way past my life or the life of our leadership teams. And entrepreneurship is something that you can scale, it can be contagious, it can continue to grow if we do it Right. And so to watch multiple businesses grow, we have 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we have WOW One Day Painting, we have You Move Me, a moving company, and we have Shine, which is our windows gutters power washing. We've got four businesses all led by four very entrepreneurially minded leaders who are driving them forward. When each of them bring on their future, we call them entrepreneurs, people that are finding their passionate entry point into entrepreneurship through the O2E Brands family – things just continue to grow and scale. Mm. And the legacy I think is leaving a legacy of entrepreneurship, of businesses that are run with a culture, a care for people, building profitable, fun, awesome services that that people love to use. And if those can exist for uh, an awful long time, to me, that's a great legacy. Awesome. Thank you. Do you
0: have sort of, I know that some entrepreneurs think of like, a hundred year vision or a hundred year company, is that something that has ever, ever transpired for you? Like, have you ever thought about timeline, or is it just about leaving a legacy that is past the leadership? Because I know that some businesses try and build. It's an Apple thing. Apple wants to, you know, be a hundred year company, um, and some of the bigger Fortune five hundred companies have that same mindset um, because I think it really helps them use in, innovation and ingenuity in a very unique way to to almost like solve for the future
1: in some ways. So is
0: that something that you've incorporated to have this longer vision for one year got junk
1: It's not something we spend enough time talking about, mm. but I'm a big believer in innovate or die. I don't want this business to ever die. And so to me, it's not a hundred, hundred year deal. It's a forever deal. Mm. How do we continue to reinvent? Will there always be a need for junk removal? Will there always be a need for painting walls? Not necessarily. I mean, technology could change that, believe it or not. But I do believe that we, as a company with O2 brand, O2E brands and what we're building, we've got to find a way to stay ahead of the curve. Mm. Just out of curiosity, what what
0: does innovation mean for you? Because, I mean, you have a very unique business and business model. And I think, you know, innovation seems to be a big part of of your you know your company culture and it seems to be a big part of of who you are as well so what does innovation mean to you and and where is it showing up where is it most important do you think in terms of business
1: innovation is a way to consciously and intentionally look at something in your business and say how can we make it better if something ain't broke don't fix it they say you know what break stuff break stuff and find a better way it's challenging ourselves to grow—not just the revenues, but grow our people and our systems, our processes, and how we do things. So we're always looking to make our business better. I know Mark Zuckerberg from uh, Facebook has often said, "You know, how do we create the company that will put Facebook out of business?" Mm. Same thing here. How do we create the business that will put Shack Shine out of business? Mm. Shack Shine's our newest brand, but one day someone will find a better way it'd be better if it's us.
0: Yeah. Incredible. I, I love that. I love that concept. I'm going to have to, going to have to use that with man talks. <laughs> I really, I really like that actually. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for, for being on the show. I think the last really, we're going to, we're going to wrap up cause I want to respect your time. Um, and I really appreciate having you on here. Some absolutely phenomenal insights. Um, what is, this is, you know, the, the podcast is geared towards men, our audience are, you know, entrepreneurial men. Um, obviously, we have women tune in. And, and that's incredible. and We love having them in conversation. But one of the things that we generally love to to dig into is, you know, what is your favorite part of being a man? There's been some interesting answers yeah. to this no, question, as great, you can as you can probably imagine. Sure. Um,
1: I, I think one of my favorite parts about being a man is I get to have a a great woman. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I've got a wife who I love dearly. She's an entrepreneur and runs a clothing store called Mish. Uh I, I love our relationship, our family, our friendship that we have. Mm-hmm. I think just I don't know if I uh yeah, I don't know if I have anything more to say on that. I, That's I, lo- okay. I love who I am. I love what we're, we're creating as a business and male or female. Cool. I am who I am and uh, and love what I'm doing. Cool. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks again very much for your time, Brian. Um,
0: where can people find you? You mentioned that Twitter. Uh, what are some of the other resources? Maybe if you could give us your websites just for the listeners that can go and type it in.
1: Yeah, O2E Brands. So the letter O, number two, letter E, brands.com. O2E stands for Ordinary to Exceptional they can learn about all our companies there and learn more about entrepreneurship cool and how do people get in touch with you personally is that via your twitter best way to get me is through twitter at brian scudamore happy to help get someone the painted picture connect someone with someone they need help with whatever i could possibly do i believe entrepreneurship is about helping other entrepreneurs Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you again very much for your time.
0: Uh, we will post all of the you know Twitter handles and the websites for you uh, up on the up on our website and on the iTunes links for the listeners out there. If you want to hear more of Brian, if you want to get to see him in person, definitely come check out our live event on November seventh. It's the Man Talks Intensive. It's going to be at the Vancouver Convention Center. We have himself. We've got Mr. Brian Scrone from down south in the California. We've got Dale Kopke, the CEO of Kid and Ace, coming to speak as well. Philip McKernan, we, there's, there's tons of incredible names. So if you haven't already bought your ticket, it's almost sold out. Uh, make sure you check it out, that's at Mantox.com, and hopefully we'll see you soon.